Everything you do is making an impact in this world. This is not an elitist issue. This is a quality of life issue. How dare you? And I feel like it's my responsibility as a human being. So what? The world is at stake. You're listening to Eco Chic, a podcast about climate, sustainability, and eco-conscious lifestyles. What, like it's hard? Hey y'all, welcome back to Eco Chic, day four of Earth Week. My name is Laura Diaz. I hope you're doing well. I'll be honest, y'all, I'm doing well. I'm doing great. But I'm also really tired because we've had a lot of content this week. Earth Week has been really good over here. And I'm a big fan of this Earth Day everyday movement that we are hoping to bring into the rest of the year. So I hope you've been enjoying it as well. I'm incredibly excited to bring you today's conversation because it is hot off the presses and it is just a thought-provoking science-backed conversation that was such a treat, such a good opportunity for me to participate in and I'm excited for y'all to listen to it. We're talking about current events. We're speaking today about the rollbacks of EPA regulations. The Environmental Protection Agency was founded on the mission to protect human and environmental health. The EPA is responsible for creating standards and laws promoting the health of individuals and of the environment. And unfortunately, our current administration is seriously undermining that mission. This is not a political podcast. I want to remind everyone of that. And our guest today, Dr. Gretchen Goldman, does not represent a politically affiliated group. However, it's impossible to argue that our current administration values and respects that human and environmental protection necessary to maintain our natural resources, to keep us adequately safe from harmful chemicals, and thinking long-term about the U.S. contribution to climate change. Just this week and in the last few weeks, the Trump administration has continued to chip away at the environmental standards under the shadow of the pandemic. Stream and wetland protections have been rolled back, so that's federally regulated bodies of water that are not being monitored for pollution. The EPA announced last month that it would suspend enforcement actions against companies who don't monitor for pollution during the coronavirus outbreak. So that essentially means that companies are self-monitoring their pollution output right now as we speak. There's an attempt to roll back mercury emissions that's based on, quite frankly, ignorance of human health. Fuel economy and emission standards have been weakened pretty seriously bringing back up a conversation we had at the beginning of this presidency about how harmful vehicle emissions are, not just for air pollution, but also, again, for human health. Dr. Gretchen Goldman is the research director of the Center for Science and Democracy at the Union of Concerned Scientists. She leads research on the role of science in public policy. The Union of Concerned Scientists is a nonprofit that I personally really respect and admire, It's a nonprofit science advocacy organization based in the U.S. It's a group that takes science and evidence and data and applies that to problems and gives us solutions to our most pressing environmental planetary concerns. Dr. Gretchen Goldman holds a Ph.D. and an M.S. in environmental engineering from the Georgia Institute of Technology, where she was a postdoc research fellow working on statistical modeling of urban air pollution for use in studies of acute human health effects. When we're talking about pollution and human health, Dr. Gretchen Goldman is quite literally the expert. She's a rock star in the field. And again, it was such a cool opportunity to be able to talk to her about her specialty. She also holds a BS in atmospheric science from Cornell. 
Dr. Goldman has appeared on Vice News Tonight, National Public Radio, Marketplace, and her written work has been published in Science, Nature, The New York Times, Washington Post, and the list really goes on and on. Currently, Dr. Gretchen Goldman serves on the 500 Women Scientists Leadership Board, the Air and Climate Public Administration Committee for the Metropolitan Washington Council of Governments, and the Advisory Board of Influence Maps. It was an awesome opportunity, again, to have this conversation with Gretchen because she makes the science behind environmental regulations very digestible. It's easy to read headlines about standards being weakened and not really know what that means for you as an individual person. Gretchen shed some light on rollbacks and also the regulation process, why these rollbacks can happen. And then we talk about what a science-backed administration really needs to look like, not just for today's environmental protection, but long-term for climate change. If you enjoyed this episode, you already know what I'm going to say. Rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out a lot. We're also on social media at Podcast on Instagram and on Facebook. And then you can sign up for our newsletter and shop our cute little sustainability supplies at totallyecochic.com. When I said this episode was hot off the presses, I really meant it. I spoke with Gretchen this morning. I felt like this was an episode that needed to get out this week, and we're talking about current events, things that are in the news today, right now, so the fresher, the better. I encourage you to keep your eyes peeled for more headlines coming out in the coming weeks regarding the EPA. I also want to encourage you, while we're all very likely sitting on our computers, socially distancing if possible, to please check your voter registration. Figure out where you're registered to vote. There is a really easy way to check on the USA.gov website, or you can just Google, where am I registered to vote? Find an official.gov link. Make sure you're registered at your current address. Update it if you need to. You probably have the time to fill out the form. If you're not registered to vote and you're eligible, you need to register to vote. I truly cannot stress enough how important it is to show up in November, make an impact on Congress, on the Senate, on the presidency, at the local level, There are some reports that say up to half of Americans don't vote. That's embarrassing, y'all. If we want to see these EPA regulations strengthened again, we want more environmental protection. We want to rejoin the Paris Climate Agreement. We want our country to get its Sheila together when we're thinking about the planet and climate change. All of that relies on voting. Please make sure you're registered to vote. Anyway... I am very excited to bring you this episode of EcoChic. We're talking environmental protection standards, air pollution, human health, and the looks of a science-backed, climate-conscious administration with Dr. Gretchen Goldman. Gretchen, let's first just set the scene for everyone as to what is currently going on in the world of environmental regulations in America. What we're seeing right now is a lot of rollbacks of federal environmental regulations. So these are things that protect us from unsafe chemicals or clean air or contaminated water. There's all these federal policies that protect us from those things. And if it seems like you're seeing a lot of those roll back recently in the news, you're not imagining it. We're seeing a big push to roll back a lot of those rules 
rules because the Trump administration is trying to put a lot of those rollbacks through now before the end of the presidential term. So this is something that we're seeing happen. They're rolling back, especially on the air pollution side, several rules that protect us from things like particulate matter or mercury and other hazardous air pollutants. And we're seeing a lot of that happen. And groups like mine are trying to push back on that, trying to show what's harmful about those things and also what we can all do about it. I would love to hear a little bit about the process behind some of these rollbacks, because when we talk about policy, especially when it comes to regulation as large scale, as federal regulation, as EPA standards, it takes a long time to get these policies in place. It takes a long time to get these standards set. Why is it so easy, it seems, for an administration to just go in and roll back all of these standards? It is alarming to see them dismantle a lot of things that have been in place for for decades to protect people. Some things are easier than others. It depends on what the mechanism is. So there are things like directives or executive orders, and these are just statements by decision makers that the president can make or the head of the Environmental Protection Agency can make. And some of those things are super easy to roll back unfortunately, because they can just issue a new statement and send it out and it happens. And so, for example, the administration used one of those to loosen some of the regulations on hazardous air pollution. So these are toxic chemicals that are emitted from industrial facilities like chemical manufacturing plants. And that is unfortunately very easy for them to just switch. The good thing about that is that if we got a science supporting president in the future and they wanted to change that, it is easy for them to roll it, to just change it back and re-put in place those protections back again. There are other things that take a lot more effort to undo. And we're seeing the administration do that some too. So some of these things, if they're an official rule for an agency, for example, like particulate matter or soot, which is an air pollutant, they're rolling back or failing to set a science-based standard for particulate pollution. And for that one, it's a whole long process. And they started it years ago, which has now led to them not taking a science-based standard. And so if they finalize that rule, it will unfortunately take longer for a new administration to correct that decision and make a science-aligned standard that protects people from particulate matter. So some of them are going to take longer. And the good thing about that is that at least we have opportunities to weigh in. So for rule changes, there's opportunities for public comment, there's public hearings, there's ways that you can try to push back, you can try to slow the process down. So there's a lot of that that my organization's working on is to try to push back against these harmful changes. When we think about long-term impacts of these obviously very harmful changes to regulation, when we talk about particulates and environmental hazards, I would love to hear some of the human health impacts of these long-term changes. Yeah, that's definitely of concern to me too, because these are things that do harm people and 
For a lot of air pollution, the more that scientists study, the more we learn about how harmful it is, even at lower and lower levels. And particulate pollution is one of those things. Because, you know, originally, when we started the Clean Air Act, we didn't fully know how harmful particulates were. And the more that we study it, it seems that they are harmful at lower and lower levels. And so the latest science is saying, even at levels that meet the current standard, we're still seeing health effects. We're still seeing people get sick and die earlier because of it. So on particulate matter, one of the biggest health concerns is that people die earlier from exposure to particulate matter, especially fine particulate matter, which is very small particles. And because they're smaller, they can get deeper into our lungs and that irritates our lungs and causes inflammation and it also harms our cardiovascular system. And so that leads to other cardiovascular problems, respiratory problems, and tens of thousands of people every year die sooner than they would have because of uh, particulate matter pollution. So in not lowering the standard, even though that the science shows those are the health effects, we know that more people are going to be harmed by that. And the thing that I think it's important to emphasize too is that these are things that take a while. It's not as if, you know, tomorrow after they finalize this rule that we'll see the impacts of that. It'll actually be years and years before we would see the the impact of it because rules take a long time to implement. And that's also why it's especially disappointing that they're not setting a science-based standard because if they fail to do that now, that's putting us on the path for a few more years to have more pollution when they could be ensuring that we're keeping up with having health protective air pollution standards. And so the health effects are not insignificant. Yeah. It's wild to think that it is so long term that we're going to be seeing these impacts on human health and even on the regulation side. It's going to take a long time to roll back these rollbacks, essentially. I'm glad that you talked on particular matter. I'm really interested in also hearing a little bit about mercury because I feel like that's one that's getting a lot of play in the headlines lately. What are the rollbacks going on right now with mercury standards and what are some of the, the issues with that? Sure. So mercury is a neurotoxin. It's very harmful, especially to children's neurological development. And we have a lot of data on this. We know it's very harmful for children to be exposed to mercury. And mercury is emitted from industrial facilities, largely from coal-fired power plants. And so the Obama administration put in a rule to protect people from mercury emissions. Um, Um, And this was a rule that was in place. It had already been shown to be very effective at reducing mercury in the environment. And they were already starting to see the benefits of that reduction in mercury. But recently, we saw the Trump administration start to roll back that rule. So this month, they took away the legal underpinning to the rule. So this is sort of the laying the groundwork to get rid of the mercury rule. And so this is very disappointing to see. I, I have 
have uh, little kids. I have a one-year-old and a four-year-old. And so it's really just disappointing to see that they would remove this rule. It was already in place. It was already working. And the industry itself didn't want it repealed because they had already invested a lot in controls for mercury. The rollback of this rule actually makes it harder for them or, you know, they could remove the controls, but they already spent the money on it. And so it is, and so, you know, I hope many companies don't remove the controls, but this certainly opens the door for them to emit more mercury and and go back to causing that pollution, unfortunately. Yeah, that's a good point that I didn't really think about immediately that the industry has already invested in controls for these things. It kind of reminds me of a couple of years ago when there was that discussion of the Trump administration lowering emission standards for vehicles. And it was something that was kind of silly because it's like if we're already doing so good, essentially, when it comes to lower emissions from vehicles, why would we want to go back to previous standards? It's not something that's necessarily harming the industry. It's not something that's really like of any sort of barrier. It seems like the reduction of standards really just for the sake of doing it. And that's kind of what it sounds like here. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in the mercury setting, it's like if we're already doing such a good job of managing this mercury, why would we want to go back to a time when we're not if it's not something that we're actively complaining about? Yeah, exactly. And then I'd also love to hear a little bit about like the self-regulation aspect of the conversation. Because if the EPA is essentially pause. I don't know if that's the right word to use, but if the EPA is not actively regulating for different pollutants at this time, what does the self-regulation aspect of that really look like? If it seems like companies and industries are on their own to manage their output, what, what are some of the issues with that? Right. It's, it's, there is some degree of self-regulation, I guess, or self, you know, behavior in companies. And so the bottom line is that it's totally insufficient, right? We can't trust companies to police themselves on pollution because it's, it's just not going to be in their interest to do that because they are driven to make money. And often that is not going to align perfectly with needing to protect people from air pollution. So there's some kinds of things where industry is sort of required to do things on their own and they're sort of trusted to do things. And so one way that they do that is through transparency. And so they'll say, well, we'll just report out what our emissions are. And that way, you know, we can hold them accountable because we can all see what their emissions are. And that can ensure that they're not behaving badly, which, you know, it is helpful to have that transparency, but that's often not sufficient because we know that that's not going to keep them from potentially emitting mercury or other things because often citizens aren't empowered to do that or don't have the ability and data accessibility to, you know, police industry themselves. And that's why we need people like those at the EPA to enforce environmental laws and make sure that companies are complying. And that's what makes sure that we are prioritizing the public interest, that people are protected, and it's not just, you know, companies seeing what they can and can't get away with without any oversight. So I think there's been a lot of interest in that kind of thing from this current administration saying that companies will take care of it. I would hope that they're not going to just emit way more because they can, but it's certainly not enough to trust that they'll prioritize the public's health over their own business. 
Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think that in order for this to be a really efficient system, it hinges on companies first being transparent about what they're emitting, and then for citizens to go out and, again, like police these companies. Like you mentioned, it doesn't really make any sense, and there's no way that we could have a proper public protection if we're only operating in the system of self-regulation. So it's, yeah, it's and really I, unfortunate. I, Definitely. I was gonna. I was just gonna add that it's also because another thing they say in this space is, "Oh, we're going to let the states do things because we want the states to be able to, you know, have control over this." But often the states just aren't equipped to do all of these things, right? They don't have necessarily, you know, a big infrastructure to do monitoring and enforcement of national environmental laws, and it's not necessarily reasonable to expect states to be able to pick up what was a a federal role to protect people. So I think it works best if it's states and the EPA working together and trying to figure out how to prioritize people's health. I feel like that working together part is so important because just the idea of not having a unified system, not just for regulation and for public health, but in general, it doesn't make sense because state lines are very arbitrary. We're hearing that a lot, especially right now in the pandemic, that if one state opens up, there's no telling that people will not be traveling in and out. But when when it comes to pollution, it doesn't make sense to not have a unified national plan or a national standard. So it's yeah, just Yeah, absolutely. Right. Poll- pollution is not going to respect state lines. Right. I guess moving forward, once we ideally come out of this period of rollbacks, what does that have to look like? What does a science-backed presidency and a science-backed administration have to look like moving forward? How are we going to get back to that? Well, they'll have to get busy. (laughs) A science-backed presidency will need to uh, prioritize science. They'll have to get busy doing several things. So some of the things that will take longer to undo, like the particulate matter standards, uh, they can get started right away and essentially start the clock on redoing those rules and working to set a science-based standard that will protect people. And there's other things that they should do right away that will start to rebuild what has been dismantled by this administration. One of those, I think, is making sure that all of our federal regulations are staffed with scientists and other experts that can make sure they can meet their mission of protecting public health and the environment. Because under this administration, we've seen a lot of people leave, especially at the EPA. There's been just a bleeding of staff and they've been trying to get people to retire and doing early buyouts. And so right now there's sort of this huge capacity constraint and there's not enough people to do the work. And so that's one thing that I hope that a science-friendly administration does on day one is just put in a place to get more people there, to get good experts, to try to retain anybody who's still there and rebuild that workforce that we know is crucial to enact many of our environmental laws. So I think that's one thing that I hope they do first and foremost. And after that, it'll be just trying to figure out priorities and what they need to do first. And and I hope that uh, a new Congress plays a role as well, since Congress can do a lot to help in this. Uh, they can allocate funding in certain ways. We can start to change the culture to be more friendly to scientific integrity and supportive of science and the mission of the agencies. So I think there's a lot that can be changed from day one to address a lot of these problems. 
Wow. The idea of science just not being respected in this administration is really frustrating for me, especially in the bigger picture of the climate conversation. While the environmental rollbacks that are happening right now are devastating for years to come, when we talk about the long-term climate security issue, there's a lot of not just regulation, but policy that needs to be put in place for thinking about things like a carbon tax, thinking about how we're going to switch over to a more renewable grid. So I guess like my final question for you would be, what does an administration with a climate focus have to look like? And how are we really going to be able to tackle this from a science policy partnership? Yeah, that's such a good question. And there's so much we need to do to start to tackle climate change, given the time that we've now lost under this administration when we could have been doing things and working toward those policy solutions. So I really hope that we get a Congress that is interested in tackling this issue soon. And uh, at the agency level, I think there's a lot more they can be doing. And so I think there's sort of two parts. I mean, part of it is going back to making sure people can continue to do climate-related work at the federal level, because under the Trump administration, we've seen a lot of efforts to suppress climate science or redirect a lot of the research that scientists are doing at the federal level away from climate change. And so there's been a lot of those kinds of things where they're just not prioritizing it as an issue. So part of it will be restoring that and making sure that we can continue to do all the climate related work that we were doing before. And then I hope we also can look forward and think about, you know, new solutions and innovative things. And, you know, there's lots of really great policy ideas to solve the grid issues that you mentioned and the emissions issues and technology has continued to evolve uh, despite the administration. And so there's lots that we now know that we could try to do new and creative ways of addressing the issue independent of, you know, some of the uh, Obama era climate stuff that is still going to be tied up in court probably. So I think we can do a lot more and think about how we can start to tackle the issue. So I'm hoping that the president and Congress can work together to think about how we can address climate change. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Just the idea that we also really need a backing from Congress because, again, a unified effort. It doesn't really matter if one person is for it and one person is against it. At the end of the day, it affects everybody. And we do need a unified front when it comes to the climate conversation, when it comes to environmental regulations. And it's frustrating to see such a piecemeal effort. On the flip side, I really appreciate the local governments that have come out of this conversation when it comes to environmental regulations, when it comes to climate action. It seems like more and more states and local jurisdictions are stepping up to set their own environmental goals, which is very promising, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I've been very impressed with at the at the city level and state level what many places have been doing because there's so much that you can do at the local level and the state level to tackle climate. And there's a lot of issues that in fact are are sort of only at the local level if we think about the way that you design cities and incentivize renewable energy. And there's lots of things that other decision makers can make. And, And those are also decision makers that people have 
in some ways more ability to influence because you know it might be easier to, to talk with your town manager about these issues and what they can do than it might be to uh, contact your member of Congress. So I think there's a lot of uh, room for ways we can push everything forward at all the different levels of government. Yeah, it's an excellent point to think of people having more access to these local officials. And I think that sometimes gets lost when we're thinking about the bigger picture that the U.S. doesn't have this unified general green standard at this point. But at the local level, a lot of people are doing good work and they're seeing the impacts of climate change. So I think that's all in all very important. There's still a lot of opportunity to influence things and help prevent bad things from happening. And so I think of that as being as important as doing good things is preventing bad things. And so when we think about that, there's a lot of things that this administration tried to do and we successfully stopped it from happening. So I want people to remember that there's also been, you know, victories and ways that we've made sure that people were protected. And so one quick example of that is the ozone standard. So ozone is another very common air pollutant it especially is problematic for people with asthma and other respiratory conditions. And when the administration first came in, they were going to weaken the ozone standard and they tried to, and they got a lot of pushback from my organization, the Union of Concerned Scientists, and also many other scientists and legal scholars and uh, lots of people. And they ended up having to abandon that. And so that standard is still in place right now because they weren't successful in rolling it back. So I just wanted to leave people with that as there there are things that we've stopped and lots of great things happening at the local and state level. So it's not all doom and gloom. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and learned a little something from Dr. Gretchen Goldman of the Union of Concerned Scientists about EPA regulations, science-backed policy, and what our standards and regulations really need to look like moving forward for adequate environmental protection and human health. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps out the show. And make sure you follow us on social media at EcoChicPodcast on Instagram. That's where I primarily live. And then we're also on Facebook. TotallyEcoChic.com is where you can shop and sign up for our newsletter. And with that, thanks so much for hanging out. And I will see you tomorrow. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.